just putting that little aspect of care into what you do makes makes such a huge difference. And, you know, unfortunately, we work in jobs where it's just about producing and cranking stuff out and, and not really caring about the other side. And especially in the corporate world, I know, you know, we're kind of brainwashed and taught that it can't be personal. We have to put on this corporate costume and play this role, but it's it's all bullshit, you know? <laughs> Welcome to 33 Tangents, a roundtable discussion covering a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Your hosts, Jason Thompson, John Moran, Jen Coons, and myself, Jim Driscoll, all live in different areas of the world, but work together in the same company. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. Um, this week I want to talk about organizations and them investing in consulting. It, it, it's a very, very broad title, but I think there's a couple areas we can dig into. Um, many organizations have a stereotypical view uh, of a consultant, of a consulting firm, and it's often not positive. It's often um, they're often seen in negative light. Um, the consulting firm could be there to solve, say, a specific set of problems, such as with analytics and data, like we do, or have a broader charter with the organization. So, a couple questions to get us rolling are: Why do organizations often view con- consulting firms in this manner? You know, what? Why is there that negative, stereotypical view of consulting firms? And what benefits could they see by bringing in a consulting firm? Um, and then lastly, what can consulting firms do to ensure the organization they're engaging with, you know, that they see the value of the engagement? Uh, and that last question, you know, we'll, we'll kind of hold off to the end and that'll, you know, be how we wrap it up. But I, I think that question is really good because the reason why I wanted to have you both on this week's episode is because this is, you know, some of the headwinds you've had coming, you know, against you as you've started 33 sticks and, and work to, to, to grow it. That is a tremendous amount to unpack. Um, so I, I'm going to start in, in one place and, uh, and I'll give a couple thoughts and then we can take the conversation where, it makes the most sense, but I, I would say historically, and, and this is based on, on my experience alone, um, is that a lot of times consulting organizations have been positioned to be the excuse or the fall guy. Um, and this was my experience right out of college. I was working for a corporation. I was doing software engineering. We had a large contingency of consultants from, I want to say Anderson Consulting at the time. We had a team of about 20 or 30 from Anderson Consulting helping us with a very large marketing automation program we were doing. This is in the late 90s. And uh, there was a lot of heavy lifting and they did a lot of tremendous work and they had some some really smart folks that were, were there. Um, 
but over the years, as we kind of got that system up and running, we we constantly maintained a team of of consultants from Anderson um, of around five to ten consultants. And one day, I remember asking my boss, I said, "We we've kind of got this. Like, I think maybe we keep one around as a as a guide. They they know these these platforms inside and out. But do we really need this this larger team?" And he said something that really stuck with me, especially as kind of I've spent the bulk of my career in consulting. He said, "You know, Jason." Sometimes you just hire outside people so they can take the blame for when our team screws things up. He, he used a little harsher language than that, um, but it was it was That's really funny. it was really telling. He's like, "You look, you know, you guys are going to be around. You 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 are the the, the people and, and team I hired." And if, if someone makes a mistake, it's much easier for me to deflect blame on a consultant because um, if it's bad enough, we can just rip a consultant out and throw a new one in. It just doesn't matter. They're, they're interchangeable pieces and they don't really matter to me. And, and I think that that um, belief had, has really stuck around with, with a lot of organizations that, that consultants are not really part of what we're trying to do. They're not, they're not really our partner. They're not really part of our DNA. They're not, we don't really have a relationship with them. If they go or come or go, like there's no emotional connection. They're just part of this machine. And, and I think that that's a real uphill battle that, anyone in services has to has to face. Um, but I think the bigger issue um, with with why organizations look so negatively on on outside expertise or consulting is unfortunately, and and this is even more true today, the barriers to entry to consulting are so extremely low that you have a very, very crowded marketplace of consulting and even some some fairly large name brands um, in the space um, that that just do really poor quality work. And that reflects on the industry of a, as a whole. So as, as we're talking to prospects, that's something that we constantly come up against. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to a pr uh, prospective customer or client who said something like, hey, hey, Jason, we've been burned by so many agencies in the past that we're really scared to start a new relationship. And, and I get it. I've seen it. I've seen really shoddy work. I've seen really bad consultancies. And if you've been aligned with one of those and have been burned, it's hard to get that bitter taste out of your mouth. So it's a, you know, it's an uphill battle. And I think those are the two main challenges that, that any services company right out of the gates faces this historical belief that outsourcing to a services company to outside expertise is, is something that, um, we, we look to do for maybe not the best reasons, AKA we have someone to blame. And we don't look at them as a partner. And number two, chances of being burned by a services company in the past are, are pretty high. And so you, you're kind of starting from minus 10 rather than a, an equal playing field when you start those conversations. Was that way too much to uh, take in? No, no, no. I was just thinking about how um, it's funny that, you know, when you were talking about you know, companies thinking, okay, maybe if we have a consultant, at least we'll have someone to blame if things go wrong. Um, I, I didn't really think of that one because I know, you know, it, it reminded me of occasions in the past that where where maybe there were there were hints of that, but I know that we're, you know, somewhat selective, anyways, of who we we work with. So I think that like, you know, that hasn't been um, a challenge. 
for me for a while. But I think that it's interesting you talk about it because one of the things that I do recognize is that it's definitely kind of the view that you know, a consultant is like the outsider, you know? Um, so fortunately, you know, um, it's not often that we, you know, we're, we're used to, to get, you know, to be blamed for anything. But I think that there is a sense of, at least at the beginning um, of, of any kind of engagement or relationship, I think that there is kind of a sense of, you know, um, how quickly do we get to a point where, um the you know the team that we're working with doesn't feel like we're outsiders like it's one thing to say okay like let's try to be part of the team and it's you know but it's really challenging to do um and i and and i think that it's because it makes sense you know i think that you you know you work with your team and other team within the business you know every day and there's meetings and collaborations and initiatives that you're all focused on and it's kind of hard to think that a consultant, you know, that's somewhat focused on, you know, a part of your business um, can really be seen as part of the team. So I think that is kind of the the overarching piece here that um, kind of being being the outsider. But I think that that's also, to me, that's one of the first kind of benefits, I think, to working with um, a consultant too, because when you have an outsider, like that outsider is like detached from the corporate politics, the, you know, dependency on, on, uh, performance reviews and, and those kind of things. And they have a, a fresh view on what's going on and they can sometimes, and I, I like to be a little, you know, rogue sometime and kind of say, Hey, no, 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 let's, let's think about this differently. And it's, I think it's challenging internally to do that um, once you, you know, especially if you're new to your role at a company or something like that. And it's it's kind of nice to have a consultant come in and kind of help straighten stuff up or help kind of bring a view that no one has been willing to say for a while. So I think the outsider thing, if it could, if 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 uh, people can kind of get over the fact that you're you know, not physically always there or not in all meetings and so forth. Um, there's huge benefits for having kind of like an outsider come, you know, uh, be yeah. there, uh, to voice, to voice those kind of things. Anyways. The, no, you, you bring up a, a really good point and that's the, the primary reason why going back to my very first job out of college, I recommended to, to my boss at the time that, Hey, we've got this, but let's still keep, a couple of these um, consultants around, especially the more senior level ones. Uh, I, one of the guys that I worked with, his name was John Gody at, at Anderson Consulting Monk. Let's keep John around. This guy has been around the block. He knows what's going on. He's seen so many of these implementations across many different brands. He knows mm -hmm. what the industry looks like. Let's keep him as around, around as a guide because you bring up a, a great point and just I want to highlight a, a couple of things you said. Number one, an outside guide, and and really, it's important to have a guide at at that point. Mm -hmm. Can can help navigate internal politics. We we all know that it exists, um, but that outside person can often dance around a lot of those and doesn't get caught up in those. And if they're really great at what they do, we'll tell you what needs to be told, regardless of the political implement uh, implications of it. So you know, just having that outside voice that doesn't have to play by those same political rules that you do is hugely valuable. Um, and two other points that you brought up. The second is that 
they're they're able to see across a lot of different companies. So oftentimes when we're working with a single company, we get so siloed in that view. There's so much that we're trying to consume just within our own ecosystem that we often lose sight of what our competitors mm-hmm. are doing, what people in the industry that are are kind of doing best of breed are doing. Mm-hmm. And so bringing in someone that works across all of those companies can bring all of that expertise and share something that would be very, very difficult for, for you to, to, um, to have that level of knowledge internally. And then third, just industry-wide expertise. It's something, especially in the digital landscape that we all suffer with, that the the industry is moving so quickly and new solutions and ideas and ways of doing things. You know, we had um, Aaron Fossum from Holland America on uh, a few weeks back where we talked about CDPs. And I'm like, I don't even know what's going on. Like, you know, we are, we're not even talking about this with our guys. Like, you know what I'm saying? There's like so much to keep up with that. It's just, it's impossible, but having outside expertise where they're exposed to lots of different things, um, gives you that, that view into the larger world of, of what's happening and kind of keeps you more on the, the cutting edge of technology. So I think three great points that you brought up for a reason to have outside expertise. Um, and I have a follow-up to that, but, uh, I'll let you guys respond. Yeah. I was going to add that it's, it's not general, the fact that, um, a consultant is exposed to other companies and other, I don't know, implementation, whatever it is, right? Uh, it, it's it's actually tangible value. It's this tangible, even I would say, you know, real monetary value for that because, um, and I'm seeing this recently with a lot of kind of the, um, just as an example, some of the migration to to launch, I think that we're seeing obstacles with some of the journey, some of the roadmap of, of what we're doing in the migration with some clients, and we're immediately kind of sharing it and applying it with, with others to avoid those obstacles so that we don't even have that issue. Uh, why, you know, why, you know, cycle through it again? And so I think, um, you know, there's, there's uh, very interesting actual value to compressing the time to, to you know, to complete an initiative or to complete something um, by bringing those expertise that kind of, uh, you know, take shortcuts, you know, or are able to kind of bypass issues that shouldn't be dealt with uh, and those kind of things. You know, it's it's not just kind of a, a generic overarching like, well, you know, we've been exposed. It's it's more of a, it's more specific. Um, yeah, agreed. What well, one of the things that I want to go back to is is um, one of the reasons why I feel like there are so many bad outcomes when you're you're looking at bringing in an external agency or expertise to help is that proper expectations aren't set up front and and really the onus is on the the hiring company to do that um, but a good services company will help guide that conversation and by that I mean. When we talk about consulting, we often group consulting as this block. It's consulting. You know, we're paying someone from the outside to come in and help us with work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's so much more complex than that, and it's it's one of the um, it's one of the stumbling blocks that I see so many companies make is that they determine they need consulting, but they leave it at that, and and they fail to go down to the next level to say. Yeah, but what type of consulting or services do we need? Sure, we can talk about like the area of expertise. Is it is it analytics? Is it SEO? Is it design? But 
at what level do we need outside expertise? And I always think on, you know, several different um, granularities that that conversation should be broken down into. So do we just need pure staff augmentation? You know, do we have a team of experts? Do we have strong leadership? Do we have a vision? We just don't have enough bodies to be able to crank out the work that we need. So we just need, you know, capable people to crank out work under our leadership. Mm -hmm. You know, is that what we need? Um, or are there areas of expertise that we're simply missing? So do we need to fill a gap? You know, maybe we don't have a director of analytics. Maybe we don't have a designer on staff. We know that's a gap. So we're going to contract for that externally as a service to fill that gap for some length of time. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, to this guide, we, we have our team fully built out. We have the people to execute. We have the vision, uh, but we've only climbed this mountain once or twice. We want to ensure our success by bringing a guide with us that has climbed this mountain 200, 300 times before. And so, you know, it, that, that really, if you have that conversation at the beginning, it, it helps so solve so many problems that happen downstream with misset expectations where you, you, you think you're hiring for X, you get Y, but no one ever had that conversation at the beginning of, why are we even looking for outside expertise? Let's let's start there and then align with what we're trying to solve for. Yeah. So, you know, additionally to that, I think it takes really strong leadership to help define uh, what that looks like. And and that's both on, on the client side and the services side. And unfortunately, in the services game, um, for, for, for many companies that are looking for uh, a year-over-year growth that is sustainable, the only way to do that is to continue to add more people, more hours worked. And, and so really, it's just how much, how much work that can we crank, crank out. But if we're looking at how we can create value out of those relationships, it, it really takes vision on, on both sides, again, to understand what is it that we're trying to, to do. And on the consulting side, it really takes a consulting leadership team to be that strong voice within an organization to help lead those conversations. And again, I think all too often, the default position is, yeah, let's just do work. And that tends to lead to very bad outcomes. And going back to Jim's primary question of, you know, why are why are there so many um, bad outcomes, or why do people have such a bad view of consulting? It's because of that. You know, consulting devolves to just doing work, and at some point in time, we've we've lost sight of the trail, and we have no idea where the hell we're going. Yeah, and it it made me think of one of, and I don't know if this is a tip or whatnot, but one of the big values that I see. Um, is that the consultant can act like a little bit of a connector. So, you know, they're the outsider a little bit, uh, clearly. Um, but they can kind of, if de- depending on, you know, how, how you position the, 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 the work that, you know, you're doing together, um, I think that they're able to kind of be the connector between business units and, and um, have interactions with multiple groups within the organization or multiple teams. And I think that that could uh, be, hard, you know, if used correctly, um, could be really used as an advantage because um, often, you know, you're, you're tasked within the organization with a certain role, with a certain initiatives, with a certain goals. Uh, and it's very difficult to have the time to, you know, go across uh, and really figure out how to get the most from the connection with other business units and how to, you know, work with them better. And I think that the consultant can, can do that. Again, you know, obviously, depending on the, the engagement, I think 
sometimes if it's um, if the consultant is there to do staff augmentation, that it's a little bit more difficult because they're also within a group. Um, but I think having that layer of a little bit of a strategic view being brought into whatever the journey is that that uh, that you're going on, um, I think it, it helps to have uh, somebody that kind of is can have a, you know a conversation across across the business. So, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Jim, I want to, I want to bring you into the conversation because it, you know, it's, it's somewhat difficult for, I, I believe he and I to have this discussion on one level, even though we both have worked in other services companies in the past for the past, um, and we're almost at six years have been fully involved in, in building 33 sticks and it kind of um, narrows our viewpoint into what our ideal is and and our vision for for services. I'd love for you, Jim, to jump in because you've worked for multiple services companies um, in the past. You've been a longtime uh, employee of, of of 33 Sticks. What where, what do you see? What do you see from that past experience, and what can you pull from your experience to help kind of enlighten why companies should be investing in consulting? And where you've seen maybe that investment not pay off in the past, either be it improper expectations set by either of the parties or or whatnot. Um, what, what are your thoughts? Um, I'm like trying to say like three things at once and there, none of them are coming out. Um, <laughs> I got you off guard. It's so okay. no, 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 no. It's fine because I've been trying to find a spot to interject. Um, and I'm also trying not to, to re- repeat what's been said. But if we go back and we continue the thread on the outside voice, that's, that, that's an incredible value that an organization can get from, from a consulting firm. Because I've been part of those organizations where when people would ask, why are we doing this? Uh, why is this necessary? The answer was always, well, this is the way we've always done it. So we're just going to continue to do it. Um, an employee who asks that question, you know, they they really don't have any influence into changing the perspective of, okay, that's great, but maybe we should reevaluate it because times have changed. A consultant on the other hand, and again, it depends upon their, their charter with the organization. A consultant though, most likely is going to have some kind of voice or authority to say, I understand this is the way you've always done it, but give me the reason why, give me the logic, Let, you know, enlighten me as to why this was decided, you know, many, many years back. Uh, because from what I'm seeing, I think this needs to be reevaluated and potentially changed. Uh, I know Jason, in a previous episode, we were talking about you know, consultants that come in or not, not even consultants where we were talking about you know, new employees that come in and we we're talking on the technical side about implementations and they come in and rip down everything because it's not what they built. Um, so this is not that kind of scenario where, you know, a consultant's brought in and they rip everything down because they want things done, you know, in in their image. The, this is truly evaluating processes and it brings a whole new um, a, a whole new viewpoint, and it also helps get around the cultural answer of, well, this is the way we've always always done things. Um, that being said, uh, the the headwinds 
uh, of a consultant in many of those types of organizations is getting outside of the the perspective of you know I'm here to do a job and I'm just going to do my job or that you're here to do a job now go do your job um, and that that is setting the the proper expectations coming in that you, you want to offer a broader viewpoint, not just come in and, and complete a task. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you jumped in because you reminded me of, of a point that I wanted to make sure that we brought up, and that is one of consistency. Um, and, and, and as a side tangent, maybe we need to come up with the term other than consultant or consulting, because there is so much baggage attached to that. Um, but there's such a negative viewpoint. Yeah. Of it. Just, you know, like it, it, I was going to say, like, you know, I've, I was part of one organization and they did bring in a, a, a firm to reevaluate all of the operating procedures. And there was just this collective groan from everyone like, oh, here come the consultants. Yeah, there, there is such a neg- there is a real negative tone to it. Um, but if if you look just purely at, at what we're doing and and really what we position um, our services at is as a, a partnership. Sorry, I stumbled over my words there. But you know, less as oh, we're we're bringing in thirty three sticks, a consulting company. We're bringing in thirty three sticks as our strategic partner. And and to me, it's it's a subtle difference, but is is a critical difference in in how we operate. And as you were talking, the one thing that popped into my mind that we've talked about in the past that I wanted to bring up is one of consistency. So you mentioned new people coming in and ripping things down. Uh, the 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 piece of consistency is of huge value and importance to organizations, and it's the one thing I don't think that the many recognize, uh, especially in in the digital analytics space. We see such a high turnover rate. We've we've had the we've been in the fortunate position to have clients for many many years, and over even a two year span with the client, the probability of people within the analytics organization leaving is high. It's it's got to be 90 plus percent. We see it all the time. And, and 33 sticks ends up being the one piece of consistency across time that can pull things together. And so as people leave, we don't take a huge step backwards because all of this tribal knowledge and, and expertise left 33 sticks is able to help continue that trajectory because we're the, the consistency there. And so that's one thing I think as, as we're, as companies are looking at what is the value and why should we invest in consulting? And especially if you're looking at it as, as kind of how we position the work we do as less of outsource, just cranking out work and more as your trusted guide and partner over the long term. Uh, an outside source can be that consistency that that you need, especially where you have such critical roles that have shown to have such high turnover uh, rates historically. Indeed, that's actually a really, really good point because, I mean, I could think of a couple examples right off the top of my head where we have helped bridge a gap um, and helped keep things going and quite the opposite of, say, tearing things down and just restarting again, we were able to to help maintain. Yeah, for, for sure. And again, I think that's why it's it's so important to set the proper expectations for what your looking if you're if I'm a company and I'm and I've been tasked 
um, with investing in outside consulting. That that would be my number one piece of advice is first determine at what level, what's the long-term vision and what, what do I want to get out of that return or what do I want to get out of that investment in consulting? What should the return be? Uh, again, I think it's, it's a conversation that so rarely happens, but when it's done, um, you, you see really great outcomes. And, and it's not to say that one type of consulting or services is better than another. It's not. Um, but what needs to be done is both consulting organizations need to be clear on what their position is and, and companies need to be clear on, on what they're looking for. And when you have a match there, that's when really good things happen. Um, when, when, a, when a hiring company doesn't know what they're looking for and a consultancy tries to be everything to everybody, uh, that's where things tend to, to break down. So I can only speak as far as what we're building. Um, but, you know, I think every consultancy owes it to themselves, to the marketplace, to their clients to be very clear on, on what their, their services are and where they fit within the client ecosystem. And, and for us, it's, it's really about being, um, again, I'm going to keep using that word, a, a, a trusted guide. Um, we're, we're there to be that consistency over time, to bring expertise, to dance outside of internal politics. And we're not really looked at, we don't want to be looked at as a vendor, as just a consultant, as someone we have doing outsourced work. If we start to hear those words or see those things, in the sales process, it's super easy for me to say, you're not a fit for us. You need to go find someone that's a better fit. Mm -hmm. um, it's a little harder when we recognize that once they're already clients. Um, but it's it's in both of our best interests for us to have that conversation and say, look, I need to remind you, this is the way we work. And this is how you're going to get the most value out of things have changed for you, then it's probably best that that we part ways. But again, I think it's so difficult for consulting companies to pass on work. But I think if you do and you find the right fit, it's tremendously rewarding. But I get it. Um, I think if an outside analyst would come in and analyze 33.6 as a business, we would probably be seen as a complete failure. You know, that we have so much opportunity to expand business from a revenue perspective, from a book of business perspective, but we don't because what's more important to us to find the right fit. So again, that's that's our that's our strategy. That's that doesn't mean that that should be every consulting firm's strategy. But I think that the one thing that keeps so many service companies back from being great is that they fail to put a stake in the ground and they want to be everything to everybody. And it's just, I've rarely seen that, that work. Now it may work from a pure revenue perspective. I don't know who the winner is in that. You know, you look at some of these large agencies and they make a shit ton of money but 90% of their employees are miserable. You go in and look at the work they're doing and it's shit. Um, so who's winning in those scenarios? I don't know. Maybe a few shareholders. Um, so, so let me ask you this. When you both were, were getting started, when you first started the company, before you had any kind of track record as 33 Sticks, um, how did you set that expectation coming in? How did you combat the the stereotypical view of the consultant, those headwinds against consulting? Um, I spent my entire life savings. That's the short answer of it. <laughs> I mean, literally. Um... I, agree. I agree. I think we learned as we went. It wasn't as clear and straightforward uh, to make make it happen 
you know, right away. Um, yeah, we definitely have. Met but there was an underlying there was an underlying sense that we knew we didn't want to get pulled down the path of becoming staff augmentation uh, because of all the benefits of, you know, being able to, you know, be part of the team and, and um, on the client side and so forth and all, all the other benefits of, you know, br- bringing our true expertise in, in, into the table. I, I think that that was always there, but it wasn't as straightforward how, how to do that and how to identify it from the beginning or how to navigate once challenges came up. So I would agree with, with Jason that it was just, you know, it was hard. The first few years were very hard. Right. And it's it's still, it's still difficult in its, its own way, but those first few years were, were very difficult. Um, Just from a compensation perspective, Hila and I both, you know, I think had some very real financial struggles as we were getting the company up and running. We had no revenue coming in. Um, and when it started to come in, it was very, very meager to, to start. And that posed a great challenge to us because it wasn't because the work wasn't out there, but it was because the right work wasn't out there. We hadn't educated the marketplace on what we were looking to do. And that was a very, very challenging time for us. And I, I was having this discussion with a friend of mine yesterday Um is that it was very, very tempting to just take it because we didn't have money coming in. To Hila's point, we didn't know how we didn't know how to get there, but we knew where we were going, and I think that was the important thing. And if, if, if like the underlying tone and message I'm trying to put out there is that we put a stake in the ground. We knew that this is what we wanted to be as a company. We had no clue how to get there, and we're still struggling with how to get there, but we know where we want to go. And, and that meant that very, very early on when no money was coming in and we had opportunity to do things like take work that was billable by the hour to take work where we were white labeled and our services were sold as another company's name brand uh, to partner with the companies like Adobe to do revenue sharing, to sell their, their software and take a percentage of those, those sales deals, all things that were against our DNA, against our culture, against what we wanted to build as a company, but would have been so easy to say yes to because we had no money coming in. But I think making that really hard decision up front. And again, I think, I don't know if we purposefully did it and we had the intelligence to do it up front. I want to say it was just dumb luck that day one, we set a goal and a vision of this is our, this is what we want to do. These are things that we're never going to waver on. This is what our culture looks like. And then we went out and set out to build a company around that. Um, I want to say it was, we, we planned it that way. I think it just happened, but it was really, really difficult. It's still difficult. Um, but it's becoming easier knowing that it has worked for going on six years now to stay true to, to our brand. And I think if we would have, you know, made those concessions in the beginning, it would have been so easy to justify, you know, we have to make our house payments. Let's just, you know, take this one-off thing that we normally wouldn't do. It would have been so easy to do that, but had we done it, I think we would have been in a much worse place, maybe not financially, but I think just our overall feeling of success and how proud we are of the brand we're building that we're doing something different. We may not be the biggest, we're, we're actually quite small. We may not have the biggest influence in the world, um, you know, our, our, our voice is, is not that wide. Um, but within our circle, within our sphere of influence, I think we are making a difference. And, and for our clients, the people that we work with, we don't look at them as a corporate name. We look at them as people. Um, it's, 
we're, we're doing something that matters. And to me, that's what makes it all worthwhile. In fact, I just started drafting a Medium article this morning where I'm talking about why we do what we do. And it's a conversation that Hila and I have been having. And it's it's not to have the most number of brands we work with. It's not to be the biggest consultancy on the planet, but we truly want to change people's lives. And that you know, is a big differentiator for us is that, you know, we don't just work with Harvard Business Review. We work with Kerry at, at HBR. You know, we don't just work with Holland America Line. We work with Aaron at Holland America. And we're deeply invested in making Kerry, in making Aaron successful as as people. And and I, I don't know about the rest of you, but for me, that makes it so worthwhile and so energizing to get up and face the day. And, um, is is really a key part of of why we built the brand the way that we did. Sorry, I was all over the place there. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It was good, and you you actually started to answer my next question because I wanted to come away with uh, you know some concrete things. You know, we 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 talked about why. Uh, consulting firms are often seen in a negative light, why there's negative stereotypes around them. Um, some of the roles a consultant can play in an organization and the value they bring. Um, and like I said, you, you started answering this one a bit. Um, but really, what can a consulting firm do? And what do you specifically do and instruct the team to do to ensure that the organizations they engage with see the value of, of the engagement. They see the value of the partnership. Yeah, I, I think it's super simple and it's don't suck. I mean, most consulting agencies <laughs> suck. They're, they're horrible at what they do. And by that, I mean, um, their number one goal is to maximize billable hours and revenue for their company. And, and that makes them typically provide really crappy services to company. I'm just going to say it bluntly. I've been there on the other side. I've seen it. And, and, you know, that's an uphill battle that we all have to fight because so many consulting agencies just suck at, at what they do. So what does not sucking look like? It means caring. Um, you know, we're, we've kind of been hammering this, this concept of caring. It, it really starts there. You know, care about your job, care about your, your, uh, your counterpart on the other side, your partner, you know, really care about making them successful. You know, I, it pains me every time I see people in consulting bitch and complain about their clients. Oh, our clients are so stupid. They suck. They're the worst. I'm like, what the hell's wrong with you? Get out of the profession, you know, go do something else. If you're not invested in, in, in having a true relationship with your client and wanting them on first a personal level and then secondarily as a at a company level successful, everybody's going to fail in, in this scenario. So number one is care. Care about your client, care about developing deep personal relationships, care about outcomes, and care about making the people and organizations that you work with successful. And if every consulting organization was was doing that, the, the concept and bad taste in everyone's mouth about consulting would completely flip. It's not going to change. I mean, that's a utopia that we're not going to get to. But even if a handful of, of agencies took that path, I think it would make a real difference in, in how services was, was seen uh, across the board. Truth bomb. <laughs> no, that's a great way to describe it. You, you have this habit of, of answering my next question before I ask it, because the minute you said, 
well, they suck. And my answer was going to be, my question after that was going to be, why? You know, what makes you believe that? And you went right into the, the caring part. So now, yeah. But I, um, look, I think it's like any other job in the in the services space. We're we're really focused on consulting because um, that's the world that we're in. But it's it's true of any any services company and 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 product company for that matter. You know, whether you're you know providing food or you're you know you're an auto mechanic or what have you, fill in the blank. Um, if you don't care about the people you're working for, then it doesn't matter how technically gifted you are at your craft, you're not going to produce the best work. You're not going to produce repeatable business. You're not going to produce uh, a feeling in the marketplace that what you do matters. I mean, just, just think about most of our experience with, with, with auto mechanics. It's pretty crappy experience. You know, they don't care and they will screw you over at every chance you get. And you find that one person that cares just a little bit. And you're like, holy shit, they're like eight weeks out but I don't care. I'm going to, I'm going to suffer through that eight weeks because I want to work with someone that, that cares, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not negligible and it doesn't take a lot, you know, it, it really doesn't. Um, and if, if nothing else, you know, walking away from this, whether you're on the, the client side or the consulting side, just putting that little aspect of care into what you do makes, makes such a huge difference. And, you know, unfortunately we work in jobs where it's, just about producing and cranking stuff out and, and not really caring about the other side. And especially in the corporate world, I know, you know, we're kind of brainwashed and taught that it can't be personal. We have to put on this corporate costume and play this role, but it's, it's all bullshit. You know, we, we we're people at, at heart. And I, I think caring about the people that you work with um, is, is really the, the secret to, to making this work. And it shouldn't be a secret. Um, but it, it's something that is not often seen. I, I was going to say Jason can talk about caring for, for hours. Um, so, so I'll add one thing that's kind of a little like, I don't know if it's tactical, but um, maybe useful is that, um, you know, as a consultant, it's uh, really empowering and kind of elevating to be able to free yourself from the scope of work and to think even a little bit outside of the scope of what you've been tasked to do by the client. Uh, and that's, that's really kind of a one translation of caring is to say, you know, I know what you've asked me to do, but I'm going to step back for a second and I'm going to think about what I know from my experience and why you hired me as a guide here and why you brought in an expert from the outside, or even if it's staff augmentation where you just needed the help from the outside for a little bit of time until you figure out some internal resourcing. I think there's a huge uh, you know, value to kind of allowing ourselves as a consultant to just kind of step back and say, wait a minute, I think there's a better way. I think I can add something that I wasn't asked to add or I wasn't asked to do here. Uh, and that's really so simple to do. And it immediately uh, gets translated to that caring aspect that is missing in, in so many of the engagements where you're just kind of tasked, you check things off a list, you do your hours, and you hope to, you know, kind of meet the deadlines that the, the client wants. And I think, you know, freeing yourself from that is, uh, is, is kind of a transformational thing uh, that immediately is seen by, by yourself and by the client as, as caring and, and doing something of value. And I think even those little things can, can help. Um, so anyways. 
So I would wrap this up with saying investing in consulting is is something every company should be doing at, at some level. Um, you know, we, we do it at 33 Sticks where we work with outside uh, experts where we don't have expertise. Um, and, and there's never a time where we're going to have all the answers. And so for us, investing in outside expertise is, is critically important to, to what we're doing. And, and we're, we're clear about it. Sometimes we invest in outside expertise because we just don't have the time, nor is it a good use of our time to invest in doing certain things. Maybe that's bookkeeping uh, or taxes. So we invest in out, outside expertise for that. In other times, we, we know what we're doing, but we don't have all the answers. So we have trusted guides that we, we pay to come in and help make sure that we're going to get to our destination. And we're never going to be at a, par, uh, a, a, a part in our journey where we're not going to need that outside expertise at, at some level. Uh, and, and for us, we know that that is going to help get us to where we want to be. And I think that's true for, for any organization of any size is that you can always benefit from bringing in outside expertise and I'll just leave this one piece of advice. Just be 100% clear on why you're bringing them in so you you have, um, you have a, a, a reason and that you're completely transparent with your partner on the consulting side to make sure that you're both a good match for, for why you're investing in those outside services. So with that, if uh, unless anybody has anything else, um, we'll go ahead and wrap up for now. Excellent. Thanks, guys. Good discussion. Yep. Cool. Yep, great sorry discussion. For all my, sorry for all my profanity on this one. It's a yeah. A I was gonna I say can we know, can cuss it's, here. It's, you, you can cool. cuss. You, this is this is a this is the know. safe place. No, we're in the nest. We're in the we're in the tree in the nest in the in the safe place. So I, I usually don't, but this is <laughs> this is a topic that, um, I, as you said, I could talk for hours and hours about, and I get really passionate, and and sometimes I swear. So I'm I'm sorry. No, it's all good. Thanks, Jim. No worries. All right. Thanks, guys. Later. Catch everybody later. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at www.33sticks.com. The 33 Tangents Podcast is a production of 33 Sticks.